Everybody, this is another edition of the Cast Ball Show brought to you by JohnPaley.com by St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. As always, a handful of stuff we're going to get into today in a world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. Please, if you have anything to say, anything that's on your mind, please just bring it aboard and we'll divert the topic. We'll talk about anything that's on your mind in the world of baseball, sports, and unifying America. And I have a message for Mets fans and non-Mets fans when it comes to baseball. If you're a Mets fan, if you follow the last couple weeks, there's no reason to not be as excited as ever. Thinking about things that you probably haven't thought of before. And if you're a non-Mets fan, wondering how this panegyric or monologue that I'm about to get into has anything to do with you, I want you to please listen. Because the majority of other sports teams and the majority of other baseball teams have had a chance to do something over the last 20, 30 years that fans of the New York Mets have not been able to do. You've looked at the amount of time that's gone by. When it comes to baseball and a team winning a World Series championship, and unless you're a fan of the Cleveland Indians, who haven't won a World Series since 1948, Unless you're a fan of the Texas Rangers, who came into the league in 1961 as the Washington Senators and have yet to win a World Series. Unless you're a fan of the San Diego Padres or Milwaukee Brewers that came into the league, the Mariners that came into the league in 1977. Unless you're a fan of the Pittsburgh Pirates, who last won a World Series in 1979. The Baltimore Orioles, who last won a World Series in 1983. Or the Detroit Tigers who last won a World Series in 1984, you haven't waited as long to win a World Series championship as any fan of the New York Mets have. And the first thing I want to get into really goes to Mets fans. They sit there and they celebrate something like it happened yesterday. 1986. Like you figure it's like 1989 or 1990. It's almost like you jumped in a DeLorean and cranked it up to 88 miles an hour and you went back to 1990 or 1991, back when 1986 seems like it really wasn't that long ago. But 1986 was 34 years ago. And my life as a Mets fan has been controlled by an ownership group that had something to do with Fred Wilpon and Saul Katz. Obviously, Nelson Doubleday, Bought the team in 1980, and eventually Fred Wilpon worked his way to become, you know, even partners, and then eventually controlling the New York Mets for particularly the last 20 years or so. And things haven't been good. All you have to say is, you and you've watched over the last 20 years as this team operates itself like a business and not like a sports team. And a sports team is supposed to be operated for the fans. It's both, if, if you are, you're a fan of the New York Yankees and you understand 100% unequivocally what I'm saying, 
There's a clear difference between being a fan and watching a team operate as if it's a business. And Mets fans have seen for at least the last 20 years their team being operated as if it is a business. And you're wondering why. There's certain times where you need to see your team add that significant player, that player that's going to put the team over the top, that move that's going to do everything it can to try to best assure a legitimate World Series championship team. And it hasn't happened. And now this week, you watch, and it's Steve Cohen, who owns the New York Mets now. And I thought it was too good to be true. I'm still waiting to wake up from this dream. And I know there's a lot of fans out there that are feeling the exact same thing. Mets fans, if you've been a Mets fan for the last 20 years or the last 33 years, you know that it seems like you don't deserve good things. And I felt like that for a very long time. That's why we should stop. It's time to forget about 1986. You know what a Yankee fan you know, says when you talk about 1986? You're like, well, you know, the Yankees won in 1996, 98, 99, 2000, and 2009. And you're still talking about 1986. You know, even the Phillies right across the bridge are telling you, well, I mean, we won a World Series in 2008. That's uh, 22 years after 1986. Think about it if you're a Red Sox fan and you're a Mets fan saying, oh, yeah, look, the ball went through Bill Buckner's legs. That was a great moment. Those poor Red Sox. Red Sox are like, ah, we won in 2004, 2007, 2013, 2018. And you're still worried about 1986. If you're a fan of the Athletics, who won in 1989, the Reds, who won in 1990, the Twins, who won in 1991, the Blue Jays, who won in, in 1993, the Braves, who won in 1995, the Diamondbacks that won in 2001, the Angels that won in 2002, the Marlins that won in 2003, the White Sox that won in 2005. The Phillies, which we talked about, won in 2008. The Yankees, who won in 2009. The Cardinals, who won in 2011. The Giants, who won in 2014. The Royals, who won in 2015. The Cubs, who won in 2016. The Astros that won in 2017, the Red Sox that won in 2018, or the Nationals that won in 2019, you're laughing every time somebody decides they want to talk about how great the 1986 New York Mets were. And yes, I agree, they were a good baseball team. You could remember it for the rest of your life. Those memories are never going to go away. But I find it hilarious that a fan base is being forced to hang on this one moment that is 34 years ago. It didn't just happen yesterday. And if you're a fan of any one of these other teams, you, you should be laughing at the New York Mets and the New York Mets fans. So finally you have a moment where you feel like the owner's going to do everything he can or put the best baseball people 
and players in a position to win. And he wants to win a World Series championship. He's not going to operate the organization like it's a business. And this is something that you, you probably should be excited about if you're a Mets fan. And if you're not, you know, at least appreciate that there's going to be some competition over the next several years. We talk about New York being this huge mecca, this huge market, and how much value that it has for the sports fan and how much winning in the city of New York means to those that are in it. And the Yankees have embraced it very well. Years ago, the Brooklyn Dodgers used to do the same thing. The New York Giants used to do the same thing. And as it applies to baseball, you feel like the New York Mets have never done that. Embraced the market that they're in and how large it is and how many sports fans there are and cared about what it means to win the whole thing. And I've said as it applies to other sports teams when it comes to the whole money ball mentality and trying to win with less, I don't think it's ever going to win a World Series championship. And I've yet to be proven wrong about that. Tampa Bay Rays almost did. They took the Dodgers to, what, six games? They lost the World Series. So money balls never won a World Series. The Oakland Athletics of 1989, I'm sorry, were the furthest thing from Moneyball. Yes, they used some Moneyball mentalities, but by 1991 had the highest payroll in all Major League Baseball. That type of philosophy is not going to win. It hasn't been proven to ever win. You win World Series by investing in all areas of your baseball team, including payroll. And it's not about tricking, you know, some type of player to sign a contract that they don't deserve. You talk about non-tender free agents. You talk about players that you have extra scouting that's able to see something in a player that other teams don't see. That's great. I don't have any issue with that if you're able to find that diamond in a rough. But you can't build a whole team that way. You're going to have to go after top players. You're going to have to extend top players that you have that play for your own team within your own organization. And you have to not worry about this fake salary cap that we think exists in baseball. You have to be willing to pay some penalties when it comes to being over the luxury tax threshold. And you know the Mets have been afraid to get anywhere near it or over it. And listen, when it comes to the Wilpons, listen, they made a terrible, terrible decision when it came to invest their money with Bernie Madoff. And if we go back in time and we want to, you know, like I said, jump back in that DeLorean, crank it up to eight miles an hour and wonder what it was in Fred Wilpon and Saul Katz's mind that thought that they should invest all their money with Bernie Madoff. We talk about things that seem too good to be true. Steve Cohen owning the Mets is too good to be true, it seems like. Fred Wilpon should have understood that investing his money with Bernie Madoff was too good to be true. Would the Mets look different if they didn't invest their money in a Ponzi scheme? It's interesting to think about. But once again, it was Nelson Doubleday that overpowered Fred Wilpon when it came to re-signing Mike Piazza. 
And by the way, for those fans out there that don't think one of your top priorities should be to sign JT Real Muto, how did you feel when it came to the Mets re-signing Mike Piazza in a 1998 offseason? Because if we're going to put a poll out there, I'd say it's somewhere around like 97% to 2 that were in favor of the Mike Piazza signing. So for those that are against Real Muto, who is a similar catcher, may not have the exact amount of power that Piazza had over the course of his career, but possesses the all-around abilities to be a franchise catcher over the next five to six years, you sign him. And geez, I mean, I have a catcher that knows what he's doing behind the plate. What would you rather have? James McCann, who hasn't been a starter on a team in his career, going back to his days when he came up with the Detroit Tigers? I understand the White Sox signed Yasmany Grandal. And McCann was going to be a backup. He was a good catcher. He was a good hitter. He was okay. I don't want to go anywhere near James McCann. And I don't even want to talk about Yadier Molina. <laughs> if you're a Mets fan clamoring for a 38-year-old Yadier Molina who broke your hearts in 2006, he, he goes to the list of players that, yes, the Wilpons would have endorsed coming here. And if you're a Mets fan, you know what it's like to see players that are at the end of their career come to the Mets to finish it off. You, know, you look at Roberto Alomar, you look at Carlos Baerga, Juan Samuel, players that had success in other cities, Jason Bay. The New York Mets is the place that you go to when you want your career to end, especially when you're in your late 30s. Ask Yogi Berra, ask Warren Spahn. S. Duke Snyder and Richie Ashburn. It's where your career goes to die. But what Steve Cohen is hoping to bring is a different type of mentality, a different type of feeling. Imagine City Field with fans in it, which I'm not even going to talk about fans in the stands, fans not in the stands. I'm expecting there to be fans in the stands next year. And I don't care if there's 60,000 people crammed into a 40,000 people stadium with people's faces right up against mine. I'm going to be there. But imagine, you know, a packed house celebrating old timers day, which you've never had or have barely had in the history of the New York Mets franchise. How about a statue to the best player that ever put on the uniform? Would have been nice to see that up while Tom Seaver was still with us. But if you're a Mets fan, you have every reason to be excited. It's almost like the playing fields have finally been leveled. And it hadn't been for a while. You had a big market city and region that treated itself like a small market and was shopping at the dollar store. Now, they, they give you just enough. They allow you to have one big player or one big contract on your roster so they can say, say, can't say that they won't let the Mets spend anything. But when it came to that extra investment that needed to be made to put the team over the top, the Wilpons never did that. And sometimes that comes, that doesn't involve payroll. 
Sometimes it's about other things such as scouting, analytics, all things that the Wilpons didn't want to invest that extra money in. And I said all along, and I've been saying this for 10 years, that if you own a sports team and you find yourself having to nickel and dime everything, it's time to get out. And this is a message to other Major League Baseball owners. When you have to nickel and dime things, and you really have to operate this as a business to come out ahead, it might be time to start thinking about getting out. Because there are a lot of other Steve Cullens out there that have the money to take a loss that aren't willing to look at the ownership of a sports franchise as a business. And needing to be in the positive, which you know there's no team in Major League Baseball that made money last year. It's impossible to do that without fans. And another reason you want to be excited if you're a New York Mets fan, there's 29 owners in Major League Baseball that are talking about how they're going to deal with the losses that they had for not having fans in the stadium. And there's one owner that purchased all the Mets' debt There's one owner that's not suffering an iota of a loss for what he saw during the season without any fans in a truncated 2020 season. That's going to give him an advantage in free agency. That's going to give him an advantage when it comes to trades. You know, imagine a, a deal for Francisco Lindor. And then you go out there and extend him for the next several years like the Dodgers did with Mookie Betts. Go out there, get a top free agent or so. While other teams are getting rid of players, non-tendering players, saying, oh my God, I can't believe this player is supposed to make this much money. The Mets will be saying, hey, I need a reliever. We need a little help on the bench. I would expect this upcoming payroll for the New York Mets to not be... Not look like, in Steve Cohen's words, spend like drunken sailors. But I'd expect them to look through every avenue to upgrade their team. There's going to be more money invested in scouting and analytics. I think when it comes to international scouting, you're going to see, you're going to hear legitimate solid signings. When it comes to amateur players that are playing in different countries. And all I have to say is, if you're not a Mets fan, you will at least appreciate the passion. And odds are, whatever team you root for in baseball probably won a World Series since 1986. And once again, stop talking about 1986 like it was yesterday. It was 34 freaking years ago. This copyright and broadcast authorized under internet rights granted by the World Wide Web and is solely for entertainment of our audience. Any publication or reproduction are the use of the pictures, descriptions, and accounts of this show without the express written consent of the Passball Show, JohnPielli.com, and JohnPielli LLC is prohibited. Any commercial or use of the program, such as by charge and admission for showing, is similarly prohibited. So I wanted to spend a couple minutes talking about Tony LaRusa because I think cancel culture has jumped itself to the forefront. And they want to tell people what they should do. They want to tell people who should have a job and who shouldn't have a job. And the first thing I'm going to say when it comes to those that want Tony La Russa out 
as manager of the Chicago White Sox because he got a DUI. Don't you realize that the majority of you are hypocrites because you guys got DUIs too? How bad does it sound for a person that actually had a DUI in their life to call for somebody to lose their job because of a DUI? Because odds are, most of you that got DUIs never lost your job over it. Nobody in whatever you do for a living decided, oh man, you were driving under the influence. You made a plea to a prosecutor. You paid whatever it is in fines. You know, we, we think you should, you, you should not have a job here anymore. We don't want to employ you because you had a DUI. Now, it's a serious thing, of course. But we draw the line when it comes to losing your job over having a DUI. Yet, if your name is known in the public, if you're Tony LaRussa, because somebody knows Tony LaRussa's name, that means that that person should lose their job because of that reason. And you couldn't be any more asinine in your assumptions. Now, is the main reason you want Tony LaRussa out is because you don't think he should have been hired in the first place? That at least is a respectable take. I can handle that. I can see where you're coming from when you're talking about a manager that is in baseball's Hall of Fame. It's been nine years since he's managed a game. The last game of the 2011 World Series when the St. Louis Cardinals last won. Has the game passed him by? Has the game changed over the last five to nine years? The answer is yes. So if your take is that the game is probably past Tony La Russa by, and there's no reason at the age of 76 that he should be managing a Major League Baseball team. That isn't a bad take. I don't agree with it because I think the guy has kept himself in tune with analytics. Yes, he's said a couple goofy things, but he's been involved in a game. He's worked in a game ever since he left in 2011 as the manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. So it's not like he, he went and hit under a rock and is trying to bring back baseball days of the old. He does have a responsibility, though. When he goes in with the White Sox, he's got a responsibility to connect with those players. And he has to understand what has changed about the role of a Major League Baseball manager since he last was in a dugout, wearing a uniform, handing out the lineup cards, and by the way, writing that lineup. Once again... Manager doesn't write lineup cards. A manager doesn't make his own lineup. He doesn't make his own roster. He doesn't make his own pitching rotation or bullpen order or bullpen rotation. That's all done for him. And Tony LaRusse is going to have to embrace that. Tony LaRusse is responsible now to be a guidance counselor, to make sure that he's got the temp of all his players, knows what makes him tick. And maybe it would be wise for him to construct his coaching staff in a way that's going to reach out to all the players that he has on that team. The Tim Andersons that are wondering about, you know, Larusa not liking the fact that he flips his bat. Larusa maybe not being 100% on board with Colin Kaepernick and Black Lives Matter. Those are real things that Tony La Russa is going to have to address. 
And is that the difference between him being able to handle the job and not? It could have a say in it. But I look at Tony LaRusso and hopefully he is able to manage the way most of the baseball managers are managing right now. You'd like to see him do something different. You'd like to see him be that old school manager and do things differently that haven't been done in the last 10 years or so. If the White Sox want to win a World Series, they got to be up at the top when it comes to analytics. When I was talking about the Mets before, we're, we're talking about the need to embrace analytics and to use numbers and have a staff of group of people that are going to look at different things going on with a computer and algorithms and tendencies and provide as much information for the Mets, which they've been a little behind in because their prior owner did not want to invest in it. The White Sox have. So Tony LaRusso is not going to say, hey, I'm going to forget all that information. He's going to need to embrace that too. He's going to need to implement the plan set forth by the front office. And if he does that, I think he's got as much of a chance as anybody in baseball to win. And the White Sox are ready to win. This is a team in the American League. If you think, all right, maybe the Yankees are taking a step back. I don't know. We will see how their offseason is. Hopefully they sign DJ LeMayu. I think they're going to be in the mix for any of the top starting pitchers out there. I wouldn't be shocked to see him sign Trevor Bauer. You know, the Yankees are, are going to start to feel the heat a little bit. Yeah, they set themselves up to win in 2020, and that didn't happen. They lost to the Tampa Bay Rays, a team with half the amount of payrolls out. But whose league is it in the American League in 2021? You'd be a fool to not say that the White Sox are one of the top teams. You look at that roster, they got the MVP and Jose Abreu. Their pitching is solid, Lucas Giolito and... Dallas Keuchel, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez look like a couple of the brighter young players in the game. Tim Anderson is probably the most underrated player in the sport. He's a star. Tell me the White Sox don't look like they're on their way. And that's another reason why I'm, vo I'm rooting for Tony La Russa. Part of it is cancel culture. You know, you, you know cancel culture is like, you know, you know what it really means now. It means that you want to make yourself feel better by seeing somebody else fail or somebody else lose their job. Your life isn't going too well, so you want to see somebody else lose their job. And that's what it is. If you believe in cancel culture, that's what you believe in. Tony La Russa loses his job, so I feel better about myself and my miserable life. Well, I want to see Tony La Russa succeed. Just because of that. But also the fact that he inherits a very good team. And the Chicago White Sox and the amount of time that they've spent trying to invest in, in the young players, the youth that they have around there, the ability that they have to spend with Rick Hahn and Ken Williams and Jerry Reinsdorf. I think they're in a great position. Now, is the Tony La Russa experiment going to work? You know, I think of Bobby Valentine with the White Sox in 2012. That didn't work. But it doesn't mean that Tony La Russa can't. 
So last point I want to bring up today, and as always, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. This is the past ball show brought to you by johnpiele.com, by St. Alwish's Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. The most underrated player taken in the 2004 NFL draft is Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers never gets spoken about. You hear from A to Z about the career of Eli Manning, the two Super Bowls with the Giants, Ben Roethlisberger going out there, winning two Super Bowls. He was taken with the 11th pick out of the universe of uh, Miami of Ohio. Philip Rivers comes out of North Carolina State. Eli Manning comes out of Ole Miss. And we hear about the two quarterbacks, but very seldom hear about Philip Rivers. And not only is he still playing, but he's still playing at a very high level. And thought was last year with the Los Angeles Chargers, the team was going into dumps. They were set to have a top six pick in the NFL draft. And it was time for them to go out there and get themselves a quarterback. And it was a pretty much of a foregone conclusion that they were going to draft a quarterback with their sixth overall pick. You know, you watched as the draft ended up unfolding. Tua Tagliavoa ends up going to the Miami Dolphins right before the Los Angeles Chargers selected Justin Herbert with the number six overall pick. He was going to be the quarterback of the future. Rivers was already traded to the Indianapolis Colts. And the thoughts were that he was going to kind of wash up and go by the wayside. Eli Manning retired as a giant at the end of last year. Big Ben is, is over in Pittsburgh coming off of a major injury. Thoughts were he may not have too much time left. And while all the credit's going to Big Ben, as the Steelers still remain undefeated, you got Phillip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts right at the top of the AFC South Division, leading a team that made it to the AFC Championship game last year in Tennessee with the Titans. And you look at the numbers that Phillip Rivers has put up over the course of his career. Yes, you could talk about Breeze, you could talk about Brady, and you could talk about Big Ben. But who's right up there with Big Ben? Because they both came into the league in the same year. And yes, Roethlisberger was a starter right away. Took Rivers a couple years. Remember, Drew Brees was a starter in San Diego with the Chargers when they drafted Phillip Rivers. And think about how many quarterbacks have been drafted since 2004. How many have been drafted in the first round with high expectations that have accomplished very little, if anything. And I don't think there's enough of an ode out there to give the credit that Philip Rivers deserves for having a great career. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's going to be a Hall of Famer whether he ever wins a Super Bowl or not. His numbers are better than Dan Fouts. Dan Fouts is a Hall of Famer. Now, I understand it's more of a pass-happy league. There's going to be more yards, more completions, more touchdowns through the air. I get it. Games are higher scoring. Teams are relying on throwing a football as opposed to running. It's a different game. Eli Manning's getting into the Hall of Fame because he won 
two Super Bowls. But also, if you look at the amount of yards that he's thrown for, the amount of touchdowns that he's thrown for, all of a sudden, you realize that Phillip Rivers is right up there and is probably going to finish better. He's going to finish with a better win-loss record. He may end up, it's going to be hard to win more playoff games because his team has never seemed to make the playoffs. And if that's one knock you want to have on Phillip Rivers, you know, it's not like he's gone to a Super Bowl. It's not like he's been in many AFC championship games. But he's been a staple of consistency. Something that you haven't seen in this league. And I'll tell you this. If you had a quarterback like Phillip Rivers for, what are you talking about, 13, 14 years? You feel like you got some stability at that position. And, you, and if you aren't sure... Ask what it's like to be a Buffalo Bills fan, a Cleveland Browns fan, a Cincinnati Bengals fan, a New York Jets fan, a Washington Redskins fan. And the reason that I'm so random with these teams is think about the stability that they have not had at the quarterback position. And sure, the Chargers from San Diego to Los Angeles had a lot of ups and downs. But one thing that was stable and consistent was the production from their quarterback. And that's a major first step when you're trying to succeed in a national football league. A little bit of a recap of the show today. was talking a little bit about what it's like to be a Mets fan. And if you're not a Mets fan, you at least understand what it's like to win something that the New York Mets have not done since 1986. Then I went into my, you know, spiel about 1986 being 34 freaking years ago. And we're going to talk about that like it happened yesterday. Mets fans say, hey, at least we got 1986. The Yankees fan laughing at him saying, well, you know, forget, forget the number 27. How about 1996, 98, 99, 2000, 2009? the five World Series championships that the Yankees have won since the Mets won in 1986. The Phillies got 2008. The Nationals got 2019. The Braves got 1995 and 14 straight division titles that they had after 1986. The Miami Marlins got 1997 and 2003. The Red Sox got four World Series championships. The Giants got three World Series championships. The Dodgers won last year. All of this happened after 1986. And I understand if you're a Mets fan, that's all you got. You want to talk about 1969. I mean, you talk about a really long time ago. You know, it's not like the Detroit Tigers are saying, oh, wow, remember 1968? Yeah, their fans remember it was a great year. But it's not like they're talking about that as being the last time they won. Poor Eddie Robinson. Guess on the past ball show, he's actually the oldest living MLB player as he's getting close to 100. Is the last living player from the 1948 Cleveland Indians. And what stands out about that team is that is the last time the Cleveland Indians have won themselves a World Series. The Indians are now getting into... Red Sox and White Sox in Cubs territory. 
and they're struggling. They're struggling financially like the majority of teams in Major League Baseball. And I kind of feel for the Indians. You, know, you look at the talent that they've had. Of course, they got the Cy Young Award winner in Shane Bieber. They got some great pitching. Corey Kluber was a couple Cy Young Awards he won. They got a ton of talent there. But you know from a financial standpoint, they're struggling. Spoke a little bit about Tony La Russa and why I'm on the Tony La Russa bandwagon. It's because of cancel culture. You want If you want somebody to lose their job so you feel better about yourself, then I'm on the other side rooting for that person. Tony La Russa made a, a, obviously a big mistake. He got a DUI just like millions and millions of Americans, just like the majority of the people that are out there bitching and complaining that Tony La Russa should lose his job. How many of you hypocrites have gotten a DUI in your life? Probably more of you than are willing to admit. I want to see Tony La Russa succeed. Number one for Tony La Russa, but number two for that Chicago White Sox team. They got a good squad. I like Tim Anderson and Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, the AL MVP, and Jose Abreu. It's a pretty damn good squad. It will be nice to see Tony La Russa finish his career winning a World Series with the third team that he managed. He won a World Series with the Athletics in 1989. He won two World Series with the St. Louis Cardinals in 2006 and 2011. Be nice for him to finish it off with a World Series victory with the White Sox. How about in 2022? I'd like to see the Mets win the World Series in 2021 so we can stop talking about 1986 like it was yesterday. Lastly, we spoke a little bit about Phillip Rivers. Very good quarterback. I think he's going to the Hall of Fame. But very few spent a little time talking about how good of a career he's had. Yes, he came out of the same draft as Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger, two quarterbacks that have won two Super Bowls. But Rivers has been very consistent, and he leads a good team that's on their way to the postseason this year in Indianapolis. I do want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Passball Show. Um, for those of you who don't know, the show is available as a podcast on Apple Music, on Spotify, on Amazon Music. Um, also, you can check my YouTube channel out, John Pielli, and look up the Passball Show. We'll be back with you next week. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side.